Welcome to the Oh Dear Podcast. My name is Christian Duran, Senior Vice President of the Oh Dear Podcast, Oh Dear Nation, Oh Dear Limited, all there aforementioned here within 2479. Uh, with me at the moment is co-host, co-friend, co- Who do I share <laughs> friendship duties with? <laughs> Whitmer, probably. Uh, Brett Raybould. Hey, Chrissy. How you doing, buddy? It's really nice to be on your show. Thank you. Thank you so much. I've, I'm glad I invited you here. <laughs> We're missing Whitmer for the first uh, little bit of this um, this deal, but um, that's okay. You got the you got the core two. Let's. Well, I would love if you could have the core two. Yeah. The core. <laughs> this is this is core Odier. This is like everything Wit says. Like this is everything we say is canon. Yeah, and everything Wit says that's like extended universe, <laughs> Elseworlds. Yeah. What if? Oh dear. Yeah. yeah, this is like Game of Thrones, and and then he's like the the spinoff about you know hot pie that they're gonna make. <laughs> <laughs> they're gonna make a hot pie spinoff, I'm sure, at some point. When I was in a band, we used to we had five members, and then we would jokingly say we. The initial four, we would say we're the core four. <laughs> oh my God. Who is the fifth? Our, our drummer, Adam, because he joined after, like, he replaced our first drummer. So then we were the core four, but of course it wasn't true. After you guys got big and... After we got big, it started selling out at arenas. Life got pretty crazy. Yeah. Um, he was the, the original guy was the Pete Best. <laughs> <laughs> you know what his problem was? He kept making the songs about his drumming. <laughs> is that what is that what happened a little i think a little bit i mean i'm definitely not a beatles historian but i think like what made ringo such a great drummer was he was truly great it, at getting out of the way of the great songwriting but still great, in making it good like he's a great journeyman drummer yeah he like he did the job Mm-hmm. Didn't try and flex his drumming skills because you don't need that with Beatles songs. The songs are already yeah. so catchy and good. And so he yeah. just like did pretty simple stuff. <laughs> and that is actually a talent too. Like he's probably an amazing drummer. Of course he is. But yeah. there's a great Beatles quote. Um, I think someone was asking Paul McCartney. You know, yeah. like, you know the joke, right? I know what did you're going to you say. Yeah, the, yeah you, I'll just tell it for people who haven't heard it. But And Christian laughed like it's the first time. But it's... Uh, <laughs> So you're the biggest, best band in the world, uh, right? And Paul says, yeah, I guess. And then he goes, so does that make Ringo the best drummer in the world? And Paul goes, best drummer in the world? He's not even the best drummer in the band. <laughs> <laughs> I heard that as more like mean. Like I heard John Lennon said that oh, was like, at like a recording and he got pissed. Oh man. And he kind of like quit the group. I think this was like during the Let It Be sessions wow. where he like quit for a week or something and then paul convinced him to come back and then uh they they decorated his drum set in like flowers and stuff and oh really return which is which is like me like (laughs) if you gave up stand-up for a week or something and i like put flowers on the microphone to welcome yeah i dropped the podcast and you have to welcome (laughs) yeah yeah put a crown on my podcast mic (laughs) exactly yeah it's so funny that grown men like just like ego like you all are big you don't need ego at that point right i mean that's all just insecurity it's all just like you know i think when you reach a a certain level of success like that you kind of go like i mean i'm just like a 
good drum like there's a lot of good drummers like why me sort of especially if you're not like instrument not how do i put this if you're if you're like the second drummer and mm-hmm. paul and john are writing all the songs but everybody's calling you geniuses you might feel like uh whatever i don't know yeah i'm but gonna like, see what happens with this podcast you know it's, it's huge and <laughs> People are like, wow, Christian and Whitmer are geniuses. <laughs> and I just get, I'm sick with green with envy. I'm like, fucking show wouldn't work without me. <laughs> you start showing up late. <laughs> you have sunglasses on. Yeah, I get a cocaine addiction. <laughs> yeah. You start becoming uh, Liam uh, fucking, what's the Oasis brother? Oh, uh, Liam Gallagher. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> Did you ever see that documentary? I think I watched part of it and then I think I was like, what am I doing? I don't really like their songs. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> I I like I like some of their songs. They were they overrated themselves. But um They did. They said that they were the second coming of the Beatles. Pretty much, yeah. But there was one point where the brothers were feuding so much. Uh Noel Gallagher, I think. Uh I don't know, Liam or Noel, whichever one. I think Liam is like filled with attitude and bluster and Noel is Yes. The singer I'm sure has his own insecurities and peculiarities, yeah. but Liam is like the fire, the, you know, he's the fire stick. Yeah. I think Liam is, I don't, I don't know which one. Noel, I think is the one that writes like all the songs and he can't sing them as well as Liam. Yes. So that's like in the documentary, they make that point of like, that's where a lot of the tension comes from. Yeah. But, um, uh, two things. One of the things in the documentary that's so interesting was that they said that like the initial, uh, feud started when they were young boys, like nine or 10 or something. And Liam or Noel, Noel had a, maybe not even nine or 10, but Noel had a piano and he like loved it and cherished it. And then Liam peed on it one night and then they were just, he hated him oh ever since. God. Oh my God. That's hilarious. Sorry, my phone went off. Which is an amazing way to start a feud for a, like a millionaire rock group or whatever. <laughs> <laughs> But the other thing that was interesting about that was they were doing like an unplugged or something, some kind of live television um, performance. And um, one of them didn't show up. I think it was Noel. So Liam said, oh, no, it was Liam. Liam, whoever the singer is, didn't show up. And he's like, well, fucking try to sing the songs without me, fucker. And uh, so Noel started singing the songs and like, you know, it's a nice acoustic setting and there's two levels. So whichever one didn't show up showed up and was sitting in this highest level, like the balcony and just like throwing peanuts and heckling. And shit. <laughs> like what a douchebag. <laughs> just so mean and so rude. But then you go like, it's a little bit of that rock star id. Yeah. That kind of was part of their explosion. Like, you know, it isn't just the songs, at least in their case, it's a little bit of that. Like this guy, was able to embody something compelling that made us pay attention. And then the songs were good enough that we were like, Oh shit. But I, you needed both. You know what I mean? But yeah, you do need that rock star attitude to like even kind of get in the door or whatever Yeah, to get people on board. And it even, I mean, it's funny how it was back then. And I even think today, like artists are like, every artist who blows up, they don't just write a song or make a song. They dye their hair 
11 <laughs> colors. Yeah. They like, like, it's like, yeah, it's true. you have to be visually weird and interesting yeah. to look at because of the nature of social media is what makes us stop scrolling. Yeah. And it's, it's like odd things do. That's very true because Lady Gaga just did the inauguration. She's like fantastic. She's she's an amazing singer. She really is. Of course. But she needed to be Lady Gaga and dress up and meet shit and do crazy shit to get people to notice just because of the nature of like how much competition there is for eyeballs. And uh, Natasha sent me this video of T-Pain and yeah. uh, he's singing like acoustically with no auto tune. And he's a good, he's a really good singer. He's yeah. singing his songs. It sounds amazing. It's the NPR tiny desk. Yes. Yeah. 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 He's amazing. He's so good. But she was like, she's like, does he need the autotune? I was like, I mean, there's a ton of good singers out there. The autotune just like took him over the top and made it, gave him a gimmick to, you know, he needed something else to like separate himself. Yeah. He needed a thing. It, Cause yeah. like when autotune, like, I guess first, like, you know, in a major way entered our consciousness, pop culture consciousness. Yeah. It was like, that was the word association was like T-Pain. But he like used it well. Like there's like always those internet commenters who are like, I just need a real singer who doesn't need or use auto tune. Okay. Yeah. It's like, you can use like, yeah. Go to your local coffee shop. (laughs) 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 They're there. Trust me. (laughs) That's hundred percent accurate. We're like, do you really are do you really support that artist wherever they are? Or right. like no one, you know, as much as we can idolize like past music, you just never want to be that guy who's just like, there's just nothing real anymore. Oh yeah. really? <laughs> there's two million people making music right now. I'm sure someone is doing something real. You know what? It's okay to be that guy if you're nineteen. But once you get older, it's you got to stop. You can't be that guy. I would say you're allowed to be that person from 17 to 20 to 20. Once you can drink, it's over. You don't get to be that person anymore. <laughs> well, I mean, you'll even see comments on videos where it's like it's for Queen, you know, the whatever, some Queen song. And then the comment yeah. is like, I'm 19 and this is real music. <laughs> <laughs> You know what I mean? Like they're yeah. like, man, like I'm, you know, I get it. I'm with the older generation. Um, but there's like this age you get to when you start listening to like indie music and start going to local shows when you're like in high school or whatever. And then you like your emo phase, like you're listening to Taking Back Sunday and shit and like mm-hmm. thinking, oh man, this is like the best stuff. It like speaks to me, dude. And then you like discover the Beatles just because you have to. And then <laughs> it's otherwise an inevitability. You're just, yeah, otherwise you're just a dipshit. And then they like fuck your brain up. Um and then stuff that you thought was kind of lame, you kind of go you like have a second look at. Like even Beach Boys, I always thought was like I liked it, but I always thought it was like minor stuff. It's kind of cheesy. But then you look back and like this is this is amazing songs. Like these are amazing songs. Yeah, I know. You the whole pet sounds thing. Yeah, like even Queen, I used to think was like kind of a joke band or like not a joke band, but like there was something of a novelty because of Wayne's World. I didn't really get the the whole thing. Yeah, I didn't realize how many great songs they had right. until like later in life. And I'm like, holy shit, this is like this guy can fucking sing. This guy can fucking sing and the whole band can. I mean, that band's interesting because they're the only band where all four members have a number one song, um, which is pretty interesting. Every other band, there's usually 
typical bands is like there's one genius and yeah. four guys, you know, doing the job. Playing on beat. <laughs> yeah. And like, and I mean, I want to ask you, like in your band, Christian, well, in your band, Christian, it's what I want to ask. Who is the Tom Petty? And then who are the jobbers? Like, who is the guy where they're like, holy shit? I th- is it Todd? I think it's Todd, right? Or is it Nick? Yeah. I mean, no, Todd, Todd wrote all the songs and sang them all. I was like there to mm, just, <laughs> I think what? I felt like they had to just come up with shit for me to do. <laughs> Christian, <laughs> grab a flute. Yeah. <laughs> Christian was the driver. He owned the van. Yeah. That's yeah. a huge part of it. <laughs> I feel like that extended my stay in the band like a lot longer. I probably would have been kicked out earlier if I didn't have the van. <laughs> Todd, with your talent and Christian, your car, the sky <laughs> Nothing can stop us. Dude, a hundred they would be, they probably had like a pre band meeting and they're like Christian doesn't really do a lot. Should we? And then Christian walks in. Hey guys, I just bought a van. And they're like, Christian, what's up, dude? Come on in. We got the yeah, sit part. down, buddy. And they kicked another guy out. I'm sure Todd's, Todd's listening to this right now. Going, that's 100 percent accurate. Yeah, but hold on. I gotta, you know, I gotta be critical of one Todd Portnoitz because it's important to recognize. You know, and Christian and I have kind of been talking about music and kind of music snobbery a little bit. And, you know, I uh-huh. think Todd, I think who in the band helped Todd indulge the pop impulses? Because I think Todd is very cranial about music mm-hmm. and you need someone in the band who's very direct. Do you know what I mean? You need someone um, who isn't as smart about music. Quite honestly, it's probably me. I probably <laughs> showed him like, oh, here's like some, oh, here's like a Beach Boysy kind of thing, or like I don't know, it might have been Brian too, or I, we all kind of had that. I gotta tell this quick tiny anecdote about Todd and music. We were coming back, Todd was driving, and uh, um, where were you guys <laughs> driving together? We were. It was coming. Oh, back it's from, the, from the Hamptons. Yeah, when a. People, yeah, rented the house. In the For lab. some reason, I pictured you guys both on a road gig, and I was like, Todd's just like, yeah, dude, whatever, I'll open for you. <laughs> but I remember I was like, hey, let's listen to a new Taylor Swift record. And, you know, one song plays, and I'm like, what's what's Todd think of this? And he's like, that was a good song. And then the next one plays, and the first lyric is, green was the color of the grass where I sat, and Todd just skipped in and goes, that's absolute shit. Out. <laughs> 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 like he didn't let any of the other song come. He just said like, you're not, once you write a lyric that obvious, but in my, like I joked with him, like in my like heartbroken state, it was like her heartbreak album mm-hmm. that even that lyric, I was like, shit, that's so true. Green is the color of the grass. <laughs> <laughs> like I'm like identifying with it. I'm like, man, she really knows how to strike a chord. <laughs> By the way, joining us now from the yeah. uh, Chateau yeah. LI is uh, oh, Nick yeah. Whitmer. What up? <laughs> I like that Whitmer's voice there. just coming in like with like a joke just because it, it made rather than introducing him first because it just made me laugh for some people to be like, was Whit just crazy quiet <laughs> for 15 minutes? Like not even one hello. Whit Christian didn't introduce him. I was waiting yeah. for the right moment. <laughs> How you doing, Whit? I'm good. Yeah, yeah. Snow's out on the road. It's uh, it's, uh, it's interesting. Out there. Yeah, man. Good to be inside. Got to get How your you guys doing. On. 
We're good, man. We're just uh, recording a podcast. Uh. <laughs> <laughs> just catching yeah, up. Just hang just out. Fucking chit chat. How's, how's the family? <laughs> <laughs> I got. I have to bring this up because oh, there's Beavis. Um, I have to bring this up because uh, we didn't even mention it last week. I think last week was what? Was it our first um, show back from? Yeah, Christmas? it was. It was. It was. And we Dude. were in top form. In top form. I think form, we had a couple top forms. Form. Yeah, because yeah, we, we took the first, like New Year's Eve and then the first week of January off. So I think last yeah. week was the second show. Oh, really? Was, okay. Yeah. 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 Well, had, Odeer does offer its podcast co-host paid time off. So okay. <laughs> well, here, well, correct me if I'm wrong, but did we talk about the fact that Brett got COVID? No, we haven't talked about that. Uh, we He did a podcast while having COVID. Oh, did you? I, I think. No, wait. Maybe it was like at the... No, live, he live in the no. studio, all three of us. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Sharing a milkshake. Um, <laughs> no, actually, you're right, because we skipped the two weeks, because he got it right after Christmas. And yeah. and then, obviously, the you know 10 days or so, he, he cleared up of it. Yeah. So, no, we never I, talked I, about it. I always kind of wondered that. I was like, maybe Brett wants to keep that on the DL. Oh, shit. My uh, bad. Cats, the cat's out of the bag. Now, I mean, I don't know why well, you would, um, but... Yeah, Brett Rabel. Well, it's weird because Brett Brett did have, well, two things. One, I I can't believe you didn't give us the exclusive, the Odeer exclusive on your COVID. (laughs) That's rude. Second, um, it's weird because I, even though Brett's like, obviously it's gone and stuff, I still am like, I don't know if I want him coming to my house anymore. (laughs) I'm like a, I'm like a homophobic guy in the eighties with like AIDS. I'm like, I don't want that around me. Yeah. (laughs) <laughs> it's like when Magic Johnson tried to come back. They're like, dude, I'm not playing against him. <laughs> it, you know, it isn't transmissible, Chrissy, at this point. Right. Um, it does. I mean, I, I, it was, uh, it's, I mean, it stinks to have. Like, uh, you know, it was just funny because my conservative friend, I texted him, I had it. And his first response was like, oh, congratulations. Welcome to the COVID club. And I just was so annoyed because it's like, you can't like, this sucks. How can you not have any like sympathy, empathy? Yeah. Like, this isn't fun. Like, this isn't funny. Even a, even if it was just a, the flu, which it's more than that, it's worse than that. I would never just call it the flu. Uh, but uh, his political identity won't allow him to just, empathize with you. Well, Dude, yeah, if, yeah. You, if you died from it, he would still find a way to be like, Nah, dude, it, it was he. Nah, come on, that wasn't it. <laughs> like, he had underlying. <laughs> yeah, he, he had, had fucking dude. He had like a vitamin D deficiency. It's it's really all bullshit, dude. <laughs> yeah. I know. Well, and he said I. He was like, congratulations on getting it. I had it back in February. This the intellectual ego to just say you had it. I know. In February I mean, when yeah. you didn't weren't tested. You like yeah this. It's just like it's so egotistical. It was so yeah. It's that's funny, like, but it's annoying. I assumed I had it during one of the cold months of the year <laughs> when most people get a, a sick. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I but it's not fun to have, gentlemen. I would avoid it if you can. And I am very pro vaccination. Going on the record there. Hmm. Um, whoa, whoa, whoa. 
You do. You, you told me one thing that was very funny about how you lost your sense of taste. Oh, that's it? Just one thing? <laughs> God, he has so yeah, I was expecting more material out of you, yeah. but only one joke. Ugh. He had five minutes. He had five minutes, but only one that worked. <laughs> <laughs> that's even worse. <laughs> that's probably par for the course for me in writing. Brett it's calls like up. He's like, hey, can I run this five minutes by you about me having COVID? <laughs> The yeah the, well here's what happened Chrissy and I think I know what Chrissy's referencing you do absolutely lose your sense of taste and smell mm-hmm. and what it, well, the way my habits were and are is I was like sick and so I was like I had no taste but I was still eating junk food and it was just <laughs> like what a waste of this kind of <laughs> power. <laughs> Like you, I could just eat kale, like, and it doesn't taste like anything. And I could just eat kale, and I don't need dressing. But I'm still like, yeah, microwaving chicken tenders with ketchup and ranch and <laughs> maple syrup for fuck's sake. Like, what am I doing? I could own, I could do so much good for my body right now. I actually had that thought too. I was thinking like, if I ever did end up with COVID and I couldn't taste anything, it would probably be good because for that like two weeks, I can just reset my body and just eat nothing but boiled chicken with no seasoning. (laughs) (laughs) The, yeah, I mean, so my birthday dinner, my mom, uh, the first, the first meal I had some taste back. You want to know who and what it was? Mm. Cheesecake factory. Cheesecake factory. (laughs) They, they're so flavorful. Yeah. that they were able to break through the pandemic. <laughs> like they broke through the infection for me to be like, oh, well, there is some, man, there is some Thai, ch- I can taste the Thai chicken. <laughs> so, uh, the yeah. The thing that's crazy about Cheesecake Factory is their menu is as big as a diner's menu. Like they yeah. really yeah. do everything. It's they, like a high class. Yeah, everything's freeze dried and sitting in a fucking cooler. <clears throat> like they just have to throw in the deep fryer and they're ready to serve. And it's amazing. They crush yeah, it's it. Never going to go bad. Never going to go bad. Yeah, they're. I mean, you're all right. That menu really is like it's like a Harry Potter book. You're like, <laughs> it's like a menu. Well, they fucking like. Yeah, go ahead. It's just like a menu you'd have to have for like a petulant baby king, yeah. like where you would just you literally <laughs> have to have everything. And that's kind of representative of the American populace is like, we're all just petulant little shitty baby whiny Kings. Yeah. And you need to have every combination of anything. So no one throws a fit. Yeah. It, you know, it's that place in particular is like, there's so much like a bastardization of like fusion. Like at one point fusion was like this like new idea that was insane. And then it got completely co-opted with like, you know, like Thai chicken tacos that's and like, you yeah. know, Mexican egg roll. And you're like, oh my, that's not what it was supposed to be. I think, like, I think she's never factory, supposed to be that. Their fusion is they, what they do is they fuse gluttony with sloth. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> that's, that's what they fuse together. <laughs> yeah. They just portion sizes. Portion sizes at Cheesecake Factory are insane. Mm-hmm. I've been to one Cheesecake Factory my entire life. And by the way, it's called Cheesecake Factory, and, like, they, they barely sell cheesecake. So it's – it's I don't know if – like, I always had the assumption that it was some sort of, like, big commercial bakery or something. No, it's not. I went to one in, like – um where was – I was in Baltimore in, like, 2012 or something. 
and we went to a cheesecake factory and I ordered like a a chicken sandwich and and by the way I'm I'm a fat guy I don't compl- I don't complain about portion sizes hey, yeah, like, hey, your words not mine dude they gave me <laughs> they gave me like a, a barrel of fries and then like each half of chicken sandwich was actually just all chicken sandwich. <laughs> A trough of mayo. Yeah, yeah. And I'm like, what the fuck, dude? This is insane. It it really is aptly called a factory, though, because <laughs> yeah. everything is processed. Like it, oh, yeah. it is, yeah. it should be called a factory. It's not a restaurant. It's a food factory. Yeah. Yeah. Last time I went, I can't even tell you the last time I went, but it, it really is like fine dining for people that eat at TGI Fridays. Like that's <laughs> like their nice meal, and not to say that like. Not to disparage anybody that does that, because like some people that is their nice meal. Like I like Carabas. That's my fucking favorite restaurant. <laughs> so that's like fine dining to me. But I'm sure somebody else would be like, mm, "You're a fucking classless idiot." Yeah, and I would like agree. Your wife. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, right. She eats McDonald's. Yeah, I know we all we, extra ketchup. Everyone likes McDonald's. It's it's I I have we talked about before how I truly despise people who think they're above McDonald's. Uh, maybe we I, we definitely talked about McDonald's before here. There's yeah. no way that hasn't come up. <laughs> that is true. It is a staple of me and formerly Whitmer's diets. But um, <laughs> I want to get your thoughts about this one story that I saw. Target joins Costco in dropping coconut milk brand over forced monkey labor allegations. Oh yeah, God. I saw that. I and I, I honestly like. I'm a little confused by what forced monkey labor is because. All right, I'm pissed because like, I think these monkeys are taking our jobs, <laughs> which well, sounds incredibly. It, yeah, racist, I was gonna say. But in the, if anything. you just take that out of context, now if you just pull back, just mon- monkey labor in general. Like monkey labor. In it general. sounds incredibly so bad. awful to say, but these are legitimate. Like these are actual primates, correct, Christian? Uh, yes. Target like, is the latest company to drop cho- choco coconut milk over allegations of forced monkey labor. People, wow. PETA. And the retailer will no longer sell the product. Choka's Thai supplier is accused of fork, forcing monkeys to pick coconuts from the trees. Now, how do you force a monkey? What like, do you yeah. prod it? Like, you, you train it. That's what the thing is. It's like, what happened? Well, like, there's truffle sniffing pigs that smell out fucking really expensive truffle. Is that forcing the pig to do it? It's like. I, I I don't know the whole details of the story because I read that article and it was kind of vague. It never gave real details. It just said it's an accusation that the company denied. Right. And, uh, you know, the first thing I thought of is like these there's this poor Thai farm who like it's the only source of income is selling their coconuts to this big company that makes coconut milk out of it. And now that's the people who get hurt, the, the people who work on the farm because PETA is holier than thou. And it's like overly concerned about the monkey. When What about the family that runs the farm? Do they not have any fucking – is it it's cool for them to die because they're humans and them for starve? I don't know. I don't know the details. I don't know what forced monkey labor is. I suppose if they keep the monkeys in the cages and like beat beat the shit out of them and electrocute them and like treat them like they're POWs or something, and then that's what if that's what they're doing, then like yeah, that's not cool. 
I kind of feel like they trained a monkey to climb a tree and grab a coconut, which honestly is super intelligent thing to do because yeah. humans can't climb a tree and get them a coconut or afford a fucking giant piece of machinery that's probably bad for the environment that fucking pulls coconuts out of trees and whatever. So if it's the latter, which I have a suspicion that it is, and I think it's typical horseshit um, and everybody's just good getting on board because they're afraid to be the only one who didn't get fake outraged i mean you know me i'm i'm typically you know very pro PETA, and <laughs> yeah you know i don't think there's any complexity to anything they do <laughs> that, like, PETA is an organization that runs off people committing 800 percent on issues where they only read the headline it feels yeah, like, yeah. like they, they don't actually wade into like like Wimmer's saying, like potential, the ethical complexity of certain things, they just would like read the headline and you hear forced monkey labor. And I mean, you're like, I mean, what does that look like? Like, that's <laughs> like, I want to see that documentary. <laughs> that, it sounds like a, uh, it sounds like a Pixar animated movie. Like the monkeys have to escape their forced monkey labor because oh yeah. they're forced to pick coconuts. Um, but uh is it any different than – could you make the argument that you're forcing bomb-sniffing dogs to sniff do- uh, bombs? That's a great yeah, argument. Yeah, well, it's, I mean it's, the, it's like the truffle-sniffing pig thing. I mean it's like training an animal or any cop that rides a horse or like, you know, like it's a – oh. is, is, is it horse labor to carry a cop around Central Park? Like forced horse labor? Like I, I don't – like what is the difference? Why is this the, so outrageous? Well, the solution is to – set up pensions for these monkeys. <laughs> That's what I was just going to say. Like we got to get them, you know, open up a, a savings. Profit sharing. <laughs> Profit, Profit sharing for yeah, the they monkeys. Should, they should get equity. These monkeys should get what equity. What about people who start Instagrams, Instagram accounts for their dogs and then all of a sudden have like 29 million followers and like they post fucking sponsorship deals with Chewy. Like is that forced dog labor? Because it's not like that dog is like fucking – filling out a w2 like it's fucking it's the it's the owner <laughs> of the dog it's just a paw print yeah. <laughs> <laughs> oh man um Peta sucks. yeah i th- i think Peta's. i think they do good work but they also are one of those organizations that has to um justify its existence every now and yep. then yeah like <laughs> they do also need to get some press um I have another story here that's funny. And it's like they can, whenever they get press, it's a win for them because (laughs) approval rating on PETA and like, like it's not going to change. Yeah. You know, and like obviously every, or or not every, but they're like, it's silly to think PETA only has bad things to them because I'm sure they do do a lot of good, but. Every year they donate sweaters to (laughs) cold monkeys. (laughs) (laughs) Like, yeah, yeah. it's just funny that the next, the logical next story, it's like the company's like, all right, we're no longer using forced monkey labor. We now have uh, child slaves are now picking our coconut trees. (laughs) So we have acquiesced to the demands and are now using unpaid child employment. Millions of monkeys are out of work today <laughs> after protests. <laughs> um, this is kind of an interesting one. One dead in New York explosion of guacamole making machine. 
which is kind of it's not funny that the dude died it's just funny that somebody thought they were going to like test <laughs> somebody woke up and was like we're gonna go see glenn's guacamole machine today <laughs> and then it exploded like in fucking spider-man 2 like <laughs> what is a guacamole making machine like uh, what food- a, like guacamole is quite easily the one of the most simple things to make you don't you put do, a thing in it can't you do it it's with literally like, like a spoon in a bowl <laughs> yeah yeah i mean and if you really want to like blend it Mash. into like almost like a puree mm-hmm. you can just use a food processor or like a blender yeah. but like literally uh, it's putting raw ingredients in a bowl and and, and stirring and, and it adding, was, like there's no cooking I'm, so i'm gonna guarantee it was from a product that has on the label as seen on TV. <laughs> like, yeah. Yeah. There's no way it's not like one of those like as seen on TV products. Yeah, anything that ancient Aztecs used to do, <laughs> like you don't need a machine for. Like I'm looking at the picture, and it's like a mortar and a pestle. Uh, it's just, just use that. Um, a food processor being tested for manufacturing guacamole exploded, killing a 67-year-old man and injuring two others, authorities said. Uh, Joseph Cap died at a local hospital after the explosion Wednesday morning at Innovative Test Solutions, an engineering firm and test laboratory. Um, Schenectady Fire Department assistant told the Times Union of Albany that the machine was a high-pressure vessel. Authorities released few other details about the blast. Two other people were sent to the hospital. Scott Brody, vice president, told the newspaper that Cap was a client of the firm. And that's pretty much all of the story. Well, Got it. I like that our, uh, <laughs> our podcast has turned into a uh, Jay Leno's headlines. <laughs> <laughs> I'm just trying to stay away from politics because <laughs> like, it could go that way for a long time. <laughs> oh, man. I wish we had, a I had something I wanted to talk about. Yeah. Um, Trump. Tom, is- Tom, Tom Brady is now in his 10th oh, yes. Super Bowl. Okay. Yeah. We I saw it. I saw your Facebook post about this and I didn't understand it, but I knew it was funny (laughs) in terms of like football. Like I was like, it was like a a comic doing a great bit that you don't really have. It's like a French comedian who's like doing great. (laughs) You're like, I know this is good. This is funny. I don't know what he's saying though. It just goes to Tom Brady is the luckiest person ever to play sports. He's 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 the luckiest person ever to play sports. There's no debating it. Like I'm not going to debate that he's not great. He's of course he's great. And the fact that he still plays at 43 years old and he still wins games and he still plays well proves that he's probably the best player ever to play the game. You know what, no, honestly, no quarterback has gone that far into his, that age and and played at this high level. Like that wait, is crazy impressive. Here's but, what I think. Wait. Can I cut you off? Because before you keep going, the fact that he is 43, Tom Brady still looks this young and he still is able to play at that high level proves that there is a cabal cobble of pedophile (laughs) pedophiles in power who are feasting on the flesh of young children. Yeah. Yeah. You ever seen the video where he kisses his kid on the mouth? Yeah, I did. I said that's what I told I I think I, I was texting you guys I was like I hope the Chiefs win 193 to 6 and then at halftime Brady gets outed as being like Q <laughs> he's, he's been Q the whole time so what, just going why, back why to the, so, lucky? Go. so the last game against the Packers it this and this this is this is just par for the course John Brady on three straight possessions throws three straight in, interceptions 
and the Packers just can't do anything after that. Like, so this whole narrative that Brady is so good is like he played a terrible game. And the, f- the fact that the Packers lost is more of an, an indication that the Packers lost more than the Bucks won. The week before that, he didn't play well either. But the other tw- team's quarterback just threw four interceptions. And it's, it's, it's like this, this guy doesn't have to play well. To, to win playoff games and then get called like everybody blows him for being like the best. And I'm like, he hasn't played a good game in a month. I don't know what any of everybody else is watching, but it's been a month since I've seen Tom Brady play a good football game and his team somehow wins and he gets rewarded every time. It's you know what? I, I, I can't. So he's been in the league since like 2000 and like two or something like that. So it's like 20 more than 20 years, whatever of him just ruining my sports life. And like everybody loves him. And every time there's an accomplishment, there's a new tweet saying Tom Brady's 43 years old. When, when he was in his first Super Bowl, Patrick Mahomes was just a little bitch in third grade. Ha ha ha. It's like, everything has to be framed as how amazing Brady is. And the only thing I can try to like give an example. So people understand how I feel every time I see these things it's like, you know how Keanu Reeves is like the nicest person and like a new story every month about how Keanu Reeves is like the best person ever. It would be like if Keanu Reeves was your childhood bully who like ruined your all of your school experience. And now you have to just sit back every single year and just hear how awesome Keanu Reeves is every time and just how generous he is and how nice he is. And like, that's what it's like being a a fan of any other team while Tom Brady has played. And it's even more, it's even more of a dagger though, because it's not like Keanu Reeves is, is like, like, it's not like he's winning Oscars while being horrendous in movies. Like it would be like if he was just winning Oscars for like Bill and Ted Two, like that would be what it would be like. You're like, how does he win the Oscar for that? It doesn't make any sense. How would like I don't get how he won the Oscar. Like that's what Tom Brady is. Tom Brady wins all the time in the most fortunate ways I've ever seen. He should probably have three Super Bowls. That, but he's that gonna whole, have his his whole career is marked by at one point being a game manager. For how many? Like two Super Bowl, like a game manager, meaning his he first two, yeah, his first two lot. Super Bowl, yeah, his first two Super Bowls were probably under the game manager title. But let's not forget that before his first Super Bowl, he had literally the luckiest bad call of all time, the Tuck Rule game, where Charles Woodson strips hey, and he fumbled the ball. We yeah. forgot it. <laughs> but like, <laughs> lest we forget, I know I did. Every it. the the lure of Tom Brady. Every year, something crazy happens to his benefit. He's the luckiest person ever. And I he, can't... Has, he has one kryptonite, and it's Eli Manning. For some reason, the most yeah. goobery NFL quarterback. <laughs> yeah. For some reason, there, you know, Tom Brady is like perfectly chiseled jaw. He is so perfect skin. He probably eats exclusively avocados. And yep. for some reason, this Dunkin' Donut toting. <laughs> Seemingly good old idiot boy, simpleton Eli Manning has his goat. Yep. I, it's it's one of my favorite, like j- like kind of like just ironies in the NFL. He's two yeah. and zero against them. Yeah, absolutely. Why is it, he so lucky though? Is it just like the aura of him lifts everybody else up? Like, I honestly just think it's like it's it's like uh, it's it's a mixture of two things. 
It's yes. Well, not his aura. It's literally just dumb luck that it's just so coincidental. I just it's the biggest spree of luck I've ever seen in my life. And it, and it's like I don't want people to think I'm, I'm downplaying his accomplishments, because like I said, I still think he's the best quarterback to play simply because of the success he's had, but also he's still playing at 43 like that. No one's done that. Like you can't take anything like that away from him. But like if I feel like if he had the normal person's luck, he would probably have won three or four Super Bowls and he probably wouldn't have been in 10 because there's just a crazy amount of circumstances. And I could go into it. I might do something. I might like make my own documentary like how, <laughs> like about how lucky this guy is. Cause I'm telling you in 2016, the Steelers I, played him real, real and, quick. I just, yeah. I just, <laughs> I just picture uh Whitmer outside of fucking Tom Brady's house, like Alex Jones, <laughs> with a documentary crew. <laughs> Tell us the truth, Tom. <laughs> yeah, this is where, like, yeah, I become I become a QAnon esque person for this. This is like my truther thing. He's so lucky. Even Giselle accidentally accepted his proposal. She yeah. she slipped out of the and the ring went on her finger. And I was like, oh, well, Andy. here's something. D- d- he married Giselle. Literally, the only athlete ever in the history of ever married somebody who makes significantly more money than him. So when it came down to salary cap, he could take pay cuts every year because his wife made double what he made. So like if you're another player, you have to, you're a quarterback in the NFL. You get to play for like, if you're lucky 10 years, it is your responsibility to build generational family wealth with your 10 Mm -hmm. years in the NFL. Tom Brady is like, Oh no, my wife's doing that for me. So of course I'll take 8 million less than everybody else, and then we can use that extra money to sign all these other guys. It's the fuck you, you piece of shit, dude. <laughs> so, and what are the ways in which he's so lucky? Like, is it just well? A- here's an example that comes. So, the Tuck Rule is one of them, just horrendous. Another one is a couple years ago. It was the Steelers and the Patriots playing at the end of the season, and whoever won that game was going to get a home field advantage. Um, and by the way, home field advantage is really big in the playoffs, especially if you play in New England where the, it's literally five degrees during the playoffs. So not only did the Patriots get <clears> – <throat> if you just look at the amount of home games Tom Brady has played in the playoffs versus road games, it's it's 80% home games. And it's because he was in a division with four of the worst franchises in the – or three of the worst franchises in the NFL who literally never at any point put, a, put together a team that could even remotely threaten – the, the Patriots. So just by their incompetence, by just the just the luck of proximation, just being there, being with those other three teams, he was basically insured at least one home playoff game. And then if they won like a couple more games, they would get home field throughout the entire playoffs. So the Steelers and, and Patriots are playing. Whoever wins this game is going to get home field advantage. And when you have home field advantage, you play those lower seeds. So you have a better you play lesser opponents. So. The Steelers throw a game-winning touchdown pass. It's a catch by any estimation of what it catches. The refs just say, no, he didn't catch it. The ball moves slightly. Incomplete. Controversial call. The Steelers lose. Patriots win, giving them home field advantage. And then as the, the circumstances play out, the, he they get to play literally the two worst playoff teams 
ever assembled for the second and third rounds of the playoffs to just walk into the Super Bowl with a cakewalk. The easiest run of they had to play the Titans and the fucking uh, the Jacksonville Jaguars, two terrible franchises, and they just walk into the Super Bowl. Another Super Bowl, they do they score thirteen points and they win. Like two Super Bowls, they the game winning kicker kicked it with two seconds left to win the game for him. The other one. If, if the Seattle Seahawks just run the football, they walk in and they win that game easily. The other game, they're up. Tw- the other team's up 28 to three. All they have to do is kick a fucking two field goals in the second half. They just implode and they lose that game. It's just ridiculous, dude. It's absolutely ridiculous. And this is a hill I'm more than willing to die on. So let me let me ask you this, because, uh, again, I'm not the <clears throat> football expert. So Tom Brady, did he get kicked off the Patriots or did he quit the Patriots? Basically, it was uh, his contract was up. Uh, I think he he had an opt out in his contract, and he just had enough of Belichick, so he decided to not resign. And then okay. he became a free agent; he can sign wherever he wanted. But okay. all intents and purposes, it was seen as like a mutual breakup because the Patriots didn't want to pay him, and Tom Brady yeah. didn't want to be there, or at least. The Patriots would have took him if he would have took another big pay cut, but he got tired of taking pay cuts all the years, so he decided to say fuck it. So if he okay, so now he's on the Bucks, and the Bucks have now made the Super Bowl. Um, mm-hmm. So in like, are they trying to make the story like, oh, like people hope he wins to like say fuck you to the Patriots? Some people definitely have that narrative to be like, this is a big fuck yeah. you to Belichick who got rid of him and the Patriots didn't make the playoffs this year without Brady and Brady's going to win the Super Bowl. There's definitely that narrative for sure. Yeah. Is, it bring any, is there any truth to it? I mean, Belichick's the best coach in the history and there's always been this debate on, you know, who, you know, who gets more, um, credit for their their dynasty is it belichick or brady so this is proving to the people who think it was all brady i know however when you win a super bowl only scoring 13 points yeah i mean that's all on your defensive head coach so um, you know i i i think it was probably 60 percent belichick 40 percent brady See, you- wait, I, I feel like you should be rooting for Tom Brady because now in this narrative, he's the underdog. <laughs> he's the guy. Uh, who came back up. No, no, no. He's no. the underdog that started with like a hundred million dollars. <laughs> the underdog no. story of a guy who had a hundred fifty million dollars. <laughs> And six times he made it to the Mount Olympus. Of his career. <laughs> that was what the Patriots always did that annoyed me as a general sports fan is they always implied they were the underdog and they yeah. always talked to like they had a chip on their shoulder and yep. like we think they suck. Like I always was like, no, they're the best organization. Like stop. They'd pin a newspaper on their team locker room board that of one journalist in yeah. South Bend who thinks they're not going to win and they're like, see, they don't want us. I'm like, no, yeah. we think they're the best. Shut up. Can we just watch other people achieve their dreams too? Like, how many it's times funny. do you need to say I'm going to Disney World? <laughs> <laughs> it's funny because that's like, it's very parallel to John Cena in wrestling. Like, he became the most hated guy because he won all the time, but he would always be like, oh, I don't know if I can win this time. I'm the underdog. And the people were like, fuck you. You're not the underdog. So everybody wanted John Cena to turn heel. So I wonder if you would like Tom Brady more if he just said, fuck it. Yeah, I'm the fucking best. <laughs> Suck my dick, Whitmer. Like, he, was like, <laughs> he said that. <laughs> that would be great. There's a there's, there's a big event. 
Yeah, there's a big Super event. Bowl pool. Fuck it. Yeah. <laughs> I'm going to ruin your dreams. Whitmer is like, the, like for Brady, Whitmer is like Michael Jordan's high school rival or whatever. When, yeah. you know, in high, MJ's Hall of Fame address, he like name checked yeah. a guy who made varsity over him his freshman year. <laughs> like, oh my God. Yeah. That was motivating. That's what you yeah. are, Whit. That was a proper feel. amount of petty. Yeah. But what were you going to say, Whit? No, I was just saying there's a media day. There's a famous like media day. And I don't know how they're going to, I guess they'll do it through zoom or whatever this time around, but it's like where all the players meet with the press and it's almost like a, it's like set up like comic-con almost where like every player has their little table they sit at and then the media can go and ask questions and there's different times for it. It's always like a big event and there's always all these, you know, like Kimmel will go there and ask stupid questions and shit. But it'd be funny if at that event, he just looks at the camera and he just goes, I'm about to win my seventh Super Bowl. Fuck you, Whitmer, and then walks away. <laughs> uh, you know, I'm actually worried. I'm like rooting against Tom Brady because I like I'm worried about not even just your mental health. Whit. I think this hurts you so much. It now also affects your physical health because it brings you down so much. Yeah, maybe. I mean, it's it's like watching that game. Oh, my God, dude. It was just like it's it's again. It's like. It's I I don't know. It'd be like it's like if OJ Simpson kept getting off of the same trial over and over again <laughs> and you're just sitting there going like, are you kidding me again? How? How? It's really. But then you have to read all the articles the next day about OJ, the goat. He is so good at getting away with murder. <laughs> yeah, exactly. And then they're like, they keep trying to fit the glove on him. And I'm like, why don't you learn? Like anybody who's watched this guy, why would you do the same thing? Like I don't. Okay. Like, Tom Brady literally collapses under any type of physical pressure, and like no team is ever like, you know what? Let's just blitz the fuck out of him. The there's been literally a dozen teams that have tried that, and they they're like ten and two in those games. But like no one does it, and I and I'm not some sort of X's and I was expert, but like if you give the guy all day to throw, he's gonna find somebody. Like his whole career, he's had the best offensive line out of nowhere. How is that possible? I like the idea of uh, OJ breaking up with Johnny Cochran, so he's like, I can get I can get away with murder on my own. It was all me. <laughs> <laughs> I don't want that guy getting credit. <laughs> um, <laughs> I read this thing today about uh, this. He's a pretty controversial, um, infamous wrestling storyline writer named Vince Russo. In the mid '90s, his main inspiration was Jerry Springer. So his whole thing was he would just throw shit at the wall and whatever stuck stuck. Mid '90s, Attitude Era, right? Yeah, it was all trash TV, like lesbians kissing yeah. <laughs> each other, like whatever. It was just like. He would do whatever. So uh, he pitched at one point he pitched. There was a story going around that he pitched a story that for WrestleMania, they would have OJ Simpson versus Nicole or Ron Goldman's dad. Oh, and, my God. <laughs> and Ron Goldman's dad could have a weapon, whatever weapon he chose. Oh, my God. And, was and it a knife? <laughs> <laughs> but, but so Vince McMahon. So Vince McMahon is like, nah, we're not doing that. And the two funny things were that uh, if Vince McMahon's going like, nah, you're crossing the line. <laughs> like, you know, you're a fucking maniac. And and two was that um, Vince Russo just came out and was like, no, I didn't pitch that. But if I was going to pitch that, I would do it like this. So not only so he had his own, <laughs> if I did it. <laughs> yeah, he pulled an OJ. <laughs> That's amazing. By the way. 
you know what the funny did. thing is? Like Vince McMahon is like, nah, we're not gonna do it. Like the confidence that he could have made that happen. <laughs> like he's like, no, if we wanted to make it happen, it would have happened. <laughs> That's so funny. To be called tasteless by Vince McMahon. <laughs> <laughs> Oh my God. So did he drop the script, like the 30 page script of. Oh, I don't know. I, I think there was the the whole thing that everybody said was that he likes to take credit for the attitude era. But the thing is, is like he had like 1000 shitty ideas, but like two were good. And Vince McMahon polished them off and like kind of turned them into something. The guy who calls it on everything. Oh, and, yeah, exactly. And and much like Tom Brady, he left for he left in the middle of the night and went to WCW, their competitor, and started booking their show and it turned to shit. <laughs> like immediately. Like they they had one um one uh match, it was like a Judy Bagwell on a pole match. So look normally if you have like a match like pink slip on a pole match, it means whoever grabs a pink slip, the other dude's fired, right? Anything mm-hmm. on a pole match, like Whoever grabs the title belt on football, they they had a dude's mom on a forklift. (laughs) Like whoever gets her first gets her. She's like this 56 year old lady on a forklift. And it's like (laughs) the dumbest thing I've ever seen. It's just like that guy just had a lack of respect for all that decency. And like that was his job. He's like, what can we do that is just so indecent that people will be like, what? All right. I guess I have to watch that trash. The best thing is he has the like thickest New York accent, the thickest like Long Island accent. So it's like if you gave a fucking Mets fan like a TV show in the nineties, <laughs> all he will listen to is Howard Stern and watch Jerry Springer all day. He's like, "Bro, we gotta have The Rock fuck somebody's sister." <laughs> I think it's good. I think you need that. That guy is important to have in a writer's room. Yeah. <laughs> but back to Tom Brady. <laughs> that guy's like the hand grenade, you know, you got to have yeah. him. Yeah. Sometimes you need a scalpel and sometimes you need a fucking ax. So, yeah. Would you, would you really, if you had the capabilities, would you actually make a documentary about what would you call it? That's so funny. The luckiest I would call, I would call it, I would call it Lote, the Lote. The luckiest <laughs> That is a wow. Wow. You need more power in showbiz because this it actually is a real idea that you know everyone would want to watch. I know. Yeah. Wait. It would be like my 30 for 30. <laughs> like that is, I can't wait for what I would love if Whit made that documentary, became famous, and then Tom he sees Tom Brady face to face. I actually had that thought the other day because I hate him so much that I was like, I bet you if like I ran into him and he and he, he was a nice guy, I would just be like, Hey man, hey Tom, how's it going? And just like treat him like a normal guy. But then I had the thought immediately after that, I was like, you know what? No, this guy, <laughs> fuck him, dude. So, like all right, let's, if he was nice to me, I would be rude to him. And I'm never rude to anybody. <laughs> Let's say, let's say you're at a restaurant, but let's uh-huh. say, you know, COVID's not a thing. You're at a restaurant now. Uh, you haven't made this documentary. You see Tom Brady Tom, and you just see him at, across the restaurant and you're like, oh my God, that's Tom Brady. Fuck that guy. He comes over your table and goes, Hey, I, I'm sorry. I don't want to bother you, but I watch your cooking videos on YouTube and I just, <laughs> you really helped me make an awesome ceviche and I, I just thought it was really good. So I just want to say thank you. I'd be like, uh, cool. What's, what's your name? 
Oh, I'm Tom. Tom. Oh, hey, Tom. hey, Tom. How's it going? Thanks for saying that. I appreciate it. Uh, let me send over a uh, a drink to your table. And then he's like, oh, I don't drink. And I'm like, of course not, because you're a fucking bitch, dude. <laughs> <laughs> you want some avocado ice cream, you fucking loser? <laughs> Tom Brady walked home that night vowing to himself to win eight more Super Bowls. <laughs> <laughs> I'll show him. <laughs> Fucking ceviche guy thinks he's better than me. <laughs> oh man, that's so funny. Um, I gotta go. So yeah, uh, we go, wrap gentlemen. this up. Would be very helpful. Um, thank you guys so much, Brett. You want to plug? Yeah, I got a podcast launching tomorrow. It's called Just the Plugs. Go subscribe to my YouTube. Yep. Please Whit- subscribe to my YouTube. Uh, YouTube.com slash Nick Whitmer. I uh, putting a bunch bunch of videos up, and I need subscribers. So thanks. Yeah, do that. Christian Duran comedy for all your Christian Duran needs. King Latifah on all streaming platforms. Uh, write, write a review, like, share, subscribe, all that good stuff. Guys, thank you so much. Have a good week. Bye-bye.